Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 312 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is part one of a two-parter with Kenny Fox. Now, Kenny's name might not ring in your head like, oh, Kenny Fox, is that like Brad Pitt, but for diabetes? Well, no. But what Kenny is, is a dad of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes, who really dug in to the DIY loop, and he understands it in a way that I find inspirational. Now, Kenny and I are going to walk step-by-step through every setting in the loop, talk about it in kind of a big picture way. If you're not into a do-it-yourself algorithm for insulin pumping, I get that. You don't need to be. I'm not telling you to be. What I am saying is listen to the episode anyway, because it's just another way of thinking about how insulin works. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and Touched by Type 1. You can always go to touchbytype1.org, contournext1.com, or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the advertisers. There'll be a little more about them later in the show, but for now, I think we should get to it. We're going to start right at the top by saying nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. And today, also remember that what we're talking about is an algorithm that Kenny and I downloaded from the internet. It doesn't belong to a company. It is completely do-it-yourself. It has not passed through the FDA understand that while we're talking. Now that aside, using the algorithm and watching the data come back from it and seeing how it reacts will absolutely supercharge your understanding of how insulin is working in your body. I'm telling you to watch a, an app, a computer algorithm, decide about insulin. It just elevates your understanding. At least it did for me. It's taken me a while to figure looping out, and I'm probably not all the way there, but I'm getting closer. And I'm going to keep having these conversations with people who are ahead of me until we're all at the same level together. Luckily, I found Kenny, and Kenny understands looping. And that's why this episode is called Fox in the Loop House, Part 1. My name's Kenny, and um, I into computers and technology and helping people. My daughter Tessa was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last year, about a year ago. I have four kids, ages 8, 6, 5, and 2, and Tessa is the number two child. She is six years old. Okay. Tessa's six. She's had type 1 for a year. Um, When she's diagnosed, how soon until you discover there's a do-it-yourself algorithm that helps insulin pumps talk to glucose monitors? Um, Well, it was kind of in the emergency room. So it was when we went in for diagnosis, I spent um, the couple hours, we were there about four hours. I spent the first part of it just Googling and trying to figure out what diabetes was, if there's any kind of cure, what would work. Um, Then quickly realized there was no option there. So uh, and then started searching for diabetes technology and um, kind of found 
Dexcom found your podcast is mentioned somewhere in there. I vaguely remember. And then, um, uh, I found looping and Katie's post about, um, fine tuning settings. And that sort of oriented me to what the mechanics kind of involved might be with insulin in the body and basal testing and all that kind of stuff. How long after Tesla's um, diagnosis did you end up with a CGM and a pump? Um, we got one about three weeks into diagnosis. Probably would have been another week earlier if I had just said yes right away. But instead, I was like, well, how much does it cost? And you can never find out those answers until you just say, well, give me the prescription and then we'll see how much the bill is. Um, <laughs> so, That's a good point. Yeah, I finally just said, just, just put it on there and then I'll when they call me and tell him how much it is, we'll figure it out. Uh, but by the time I got the call back to tell me how much it was and all that, I started listening to your podcast and it was like, well, obviously I'm doing this. So, um, just send it to me. So, yeah. So we got that about three weeks in, we started pumping about six months in, I think it was like June ish, spent the month of June pumping with an Omnipod. Mm -hmm. I think we were probably only the first few people to ask for an Omnipod with our particular Kaiser Southern California. Um, uh, group. And then uh, I was just waiting for the Riley link because the only reason we didn't start looping right away. So I got it like, around July 3rd. I think I started and we started looping. So tell me, you said you think you were one of the only ones. You mean like in the practice, a lot of people didn't use Omnipods? Yeah, it wasn't a um, typically approved pump. You had this extra exception process to go through. And actually you talked to Syra and she um, she's the one that I think really pushed it to finally make it like they had a known process for how to get an Omnipod very easily. I just asked for it rather than having to Fill out a bunch of extra paperwork or something. Gotcha. So it was an insurance thing more than. Yeah, else. yeah. And and our endo, our I we see the nurse practitioner most of the time. She's like, well, I just haven't really helped a lot of people with the Omnipod, so it's kind of up to you. Okay. <laughs> we're not going to help you. Little did you know back then, they weren't going to help you anyway. You were just. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So you're pumping just for a month, and then you get your Riley link, and you're off to the races with loop. How long ago was that? Um, yeah, so that was July and it's, um, March now. So hold on, hold on. August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah. Like the infamous months? Scott math. All oh right. my gosh. It's so easy. If you have enough fingers, it's very simple. Um, so, so eight months. So you've been doing it less time than I have. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, but you're way better at it than I am. Aren't you? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Oh, look at you. I, that's nice. I'm so accustomed to discussing things with women, and they're all, they're much more demure, Kenny. Like you were really like, yeah, probably am, buddy. Uh, but <laughs> but but ladies are always sort of like, I don't know. Like it's um, there's a whole research on that that we're not going to get into now. But anyway, women, they say you should stick up for yourselves at your jobs more because men will stick up for themselves even if they don't believe in themselves, even if we're wrong, right? What? Well, whereas women who do believe in themselves sometimes won't. So stick up for yourself, uh, just like Kenny did. Now let's find out if he can back it up. Uh, <laughs> so Kenny, you and I have messaged a number of times, um, which I feel like is a bit of an understatement more than I more than a number of times. Have we actually spoken voice to voice once? No, uh, we did once when you were heading out to a conference. I wanted to make sure Arden's uh, yes loop right. setup was all solid. All right. So okay. So here's what. So has your path gone through the same iterations of the software that mine has? Pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so up until now, you've heard on the podcast, Katie came on, she described what looping was. Um, I think I had a conversation 
with Jenny somewhere along the way. I've had a meltdown conversation with somebody where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, please keep in mind for everyone listening that I just can't record every day as I'm learning something. And and I really I do want to say this here um, because sometimes these episodes get listened to, you know, not in the order I hope they get listened to. But when you began listening to this podcast five years ago, if you did, I already had a plan in place. Like I started, you know, the podcast when I already solidly knew what I was doing. When we decided to try any kind of, you know, an algorithm-based loop, um, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I've been learning it. And you guys have been really cool about it because in the beginning when I said, we're going to try this loop thing, people just inundated me with like, explain to me how to do it. I was like, I don't know how to do it. I can't explain it to you. But I, what I found was they were accustomed to me knowing the answer. And I was um, accustomed to knowing the answer sometimes or most of the times as well. And so I've been purposefully spreading out these episodes to give me time to learn in between them so that I'm not saying I don't know for two years, you know what I mean? And then suddenly no one day. So it's a weird <laughs> thing. It's not exactly a documentary of us figuring out loop that you're listening to, but so I'm a little further along now. I'd actually say I'm a lot more further along now than I was in the last episode, which while you would have heard it a few weeks ago, if you're listening now in, you know, March, um, it was recorded six months before that. So I'm a little ahead of the last time any of you heard me talk about it. Um, I'm going to start by saying that when the Omnipod Horizon comes out, we're going to try it. If I don't like the Omnipod, the Omnipod Horizon algorithm, I'm going to try the tide pool algorithm when it comes out. And I'm going to, I'm going to devour all of it because this do it yourself experience has cemented in my mind that an algorithm based pump matched with a Dexcom transmitter uh, and glucose monitor sensor is it's better at enough than I was with less work and the things it's not good at. I'm learning how to stop it from not being good at that. Um, do you feel more comfortable than that? If you described how you use it, how do you, how do you feel about it? Um, I think I think I would try some of the newer ones too, but um, I'm pretty comfortable with it as it is. It's probably has some pros beyond what we were doing um, before. Like we we had actually better numbers, I guess, on shots um, and maybe even a little bit on the PDM mm -hmm. than when we started doing loop. But what kind of the goal was to make this a little bit less mentally taxing, but also um, allow me to let her go to school and be with grandma and grandpa or whoever. Um, without worrying as much. Uh, so that's helped a lot too. But then what I didn't expect, the reason why I would stick with some kind of system, but why I really like loop other than the obvious, like I can see everything that's happening in real time, which no other system at the moment has through night scout. Right. Um, that's a big deal watching how school goes, especially cause she's only six. Um, it's also uh, like the overrides, the things that that allow us to manage and make sick day management easier. Um, we didn't really have sick days uh, that we like with higher BGs until after we started loop. And um, our settings are fairly dialed in by the time sickness showed up this winter or fall. And just using the overrides intelligently has made our sick days look a lot like our regular days, probably like 90% of the time. So um, it's made it just a lot easier. So I would, I would want a system that would do that, but I could, 
knowing what I know now, I could probably use any system and kind of mess with profiles and things of that nature to get a similar effect. Yeah, Yeah. I'm starting to feel that way too. So let me clear up a couple of things just to be sure. Is your daughter still honeymooning? No. um, So we had honeymooning on and off for probably up to the three or four months. And I, and I kind of found a little pattern with that too. Like whenever honeymooning was happening, it would sort of pull her blood sugar down, but you'd mostly notice it um, when she was eating, she'd just fall immediately and eat like another hundred grams of carbs just to bring her up uh, very slowly. And uh, I think I read an article somewhere that was talking about how the body's like neutral state is 72, sort of like where you wouldn't see any insulin or glucagon in the bloodstream. Um, and so after I read that, the next time she had a big honeymoon spell lasted almost a week, uh, where she was just on her basal insulin, but no, uh, nothing, no bolusing unless something got out of control was she would just fall rapidly and then level out right around those seventies, depending on how accurate the sensor was at the time. And if I just didn't treat it and just waited, she would like level out and hang out down there. She'd do it at night. You know, my alarms would be going off cause she'd be showing 68, 69, I go blood test and she's in the 70s. Um, so I just finally had to turn my alarm down to like 65 or something after I knew the sensor was accurate. And she just cruised down there all night. And if I tried to give her honey or something to treat, she'd just come right back down within 15, 20 minutes. So we had a few honeymoon periods and I haven't seen any for a good six months or so. It's interesting. So you saw stability to lower number during the honeymoon. And if you tried to put in carbs, you think her body was pushing it back down again. Yeah, because we had we had basil locked in probably a week after we had, probably less than a week after we had the Dexcon. We were close, so we had to back it off just a hair on Atlantis. But um, and we were having pretty stable nights. But yeah, the what I so the, I just trusted that the basil was right. And if I just like waited, as after I read this article, it just yeah, she just cruised kind of flat around the seventies. It was pretty amazing to watch because you could see like a minus. 15 or 10 point drops and all of a sudden she'd just stop and, and stay there. Um, so it was, it was pretty, a little scary at first, but, but, uh, once I saw it, we just rode that whole week out like that. I'd let her come down and didn't panic until she hit 60 or something like that. It's nice. Arden had an illness recently that was one of those, um, that you couldn't really see on her. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there was no huge change in how she was or how she felt or anything like that, but her blood sugars were, lower constantly for like two weeks. Like she didn't need that. We went through about four or five days where bolusing for food was like a crapshoot. Like, do she, does, is she going to need this? How much of it? Like that kind of thing. And then she, you know, whatever was going on, it stopped and we're back in it. But more importantly to our conversation here an experience just yesterday that I'm going to start by telling you about. And then if it's up, if it's okay with you, I'd like to walk through the settings of the loop, out, loop algorithm and talk about each one of the settings with you and, and how you think about them. Sure. Yeah, cool. So the thing that happened yesterday, right? So Arden, um, poor Arden, Arden had her period, this whole, this whole podcast, she's going to listen back to me <laughs> and be like, are you kidding me? Um, Arden has her period, right? And it got a little heavy. And so I, um, over the weekend, now, I flew Friday morning to Atlanta to give a talk, which, by the way, went great. Thank you, Atlanta. That was really wonderful. I got to meet Jenny in person for the very first time and um, got down there Friday, went to bed, got up, gave my talk, came home, get up Sunday morning. My wife and I are going to drive two and a half hours to see my son play in his second start uh, as a college baseball player. Um, now, 
or excuse me, his third start that we were going that that and we were going to see it for the second time because Saturday I didn't go. I was obviously in Atlanta and he was playing in Washington. So while I was speaking to a large group of people, my son got his first ever collegiate hit playing baseball, which was really interesting because my wife texted me something. I think it had a curse in it too, so I can't read it to you. But he got a double um, for his first hit. I read it and then got a little like weepy in front of people for a split second and had to pull myself together, which is very interesting. Um, Anyway, I, I, you know, I finished my talk up. I go on a train, I get to the airport, I come home, I walk into my house at 10 o'clock at night, and my wife and I are going to get up at 7 in the morning to drive two and a half hours to a different baseball field to see him play. But Arden's not feeling well because of her period, and she's tired, and she doesn't want to come. So luckily, there was no weirdness going on with her blood sugars like there had been prior weeks. It's been incredibly steady. And I set an override and a temporary target. And I set it out like for forever thinking that way she could sleep as long as she wanted. And, you know, at least nothing there would shut off or go back to the, you know, normal settings. And I figured she'll get up later in the morning and she'll, she'll text me and I'll tell her what to shut off and she'll be fine. And she'll go about her day and she's going to do homework and hang out around the house. So this is damn near embarrassing and hopefully she'll hear this years later and actually be a little embarrassed by it. But at four 30 in the afternoon yesterday, Arden sent me a text and said, I'm up. <laughs> it's like, what? So it turns out she was sick to her stomach the night before and didn't go to bed till like three in the morning. And still she slept over 12 hours, which is insane. But you know, at least it's a little better than had she gone to bed at 11 and slept till four. Uh, but no kidding. I am going to pull this up. I screamed because I had been watching the entire time I was gone. I want everyone to keep in mind, uh, there were telephones in Arden's room that I could have blared to wake her up. I could have sent, you know, find my iPhone to wake her up. My neighbor knew Arden was by herself here. You know, like we, we didn't just like abandon her in her bed, like kind of a thing. You know, both sides of my house were being watched by my different neighbors. Um, but I am going to admit, I didn't think she'd sleep till 430. But I am looking at this graph 24 hours. I left the house. And her blood sugar was 80, and it never went over 110. It never went under 80 the entire time she slept from 8 a.m. till 4.30. And I'm going to tell you right now, Kenny, I used to be really good, and I still am really good at using insulin with a pump and a CGM. Um, But I could not have done that. (laughs) That's That's pretty unreal. I wish my kids would sleep 12 hours and keep their blood sugar in range. Just to leave you alone, right? But I could not have accomplished that without that algorithm. There's no way she would have had to gotten up. I mean, not that that would have been the biggest thing in the world, but my point is, is that that she could not have slept. What ended up honestly being eight hours with us, not in the house without any intervention whatsoever. And that's the loop. That's what me understanding the loop is what made that happen. What kind of override did you set a higher or lower one? Uh, Lower. I took insulin away. So her, so Arden's daytime settings are more aggressive than her overnight settings. Um, Mainly her basal rate and her insulin sensitivities are stronger during the day than they are overnight. Um, Is it school and weekends or just well, no, just weekends? It's just for school. It okay. Is, and, oh, excuse me, school and weekends while she's awake. The problem is during the weekend, if she sleeps in, her daytime settings that begin at like 7 a.m. are viciously too aggressive for her to be asleep with. Gotcha. 
All right, so inside of the settings of the loop, and for clarity, we're using the Omnipod with the Dexcom G6. You are as well? Yes. Okay. There are There's a setting for correction range, suspend threshold, basal rates, delivery limits, insulin model, dosing strategy, carb ratios, insulin sensitivity. And Kenny and I are going to go through all of them now. Um, How exciting. Yeah. I, it, it is actually kind of exciting because I think you know way more about this than I do because your brain works more technically than mine does. Um, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping for today, you're going to be the technical side and I'm going to be the, the blue collar side. You're basically Jenny for this looping episode. Okay. Uh Oh, okay. (laughs) So let's just start at the top correction range. Um, when I got loop initially, what was told to me was, you know, this is the bottom and the top of, um, you know, like it, it was, it was explained to me as target. So, you know, I'm shooting for between 80 and 100, for example, or from between 90 and 300. I don't care. It, it, it was a target range. But as time passed and as people came onto the podcast and spoke with me and I met people privately, I began to think of correction range as when, the, when I want the insulin to turn on and turn off. It's, it's aggressiveness. It's corrections. Um, somehow that tiny difference in language was a big deal for me because I wanted Arden's blood sugar to be no lower than 70 and no higher than 95. Like that was my, you know, like that was my pie in the sky hope. Right. But it didn't work that way. Um, and I'm going to tell you what I ended up changing it to, but tell me what yours is and how you think about it. It's, it's still like a target, but it's where it's, where the blood sugar should land after the time insulin's all done. So when it expires, when the insulin action time is over. Um, so that's the unfortunate part about that is it's, um, doesn't, loop doesn't try to keep you in a range at the moment. It's more concerned about where you're going to end up. Um, and that's a little frustrating, I think for, for, you know, probably juice box folks. Like when we were on shots, we would, her carb ratio, which I use Tessa's carb ratio, stronger than probably what it needed to be because a carb ratio, strictly speaking, is you start at one number, you eat, and then you end up at the same number eventually, which would be when insulin's done. You know, it's a long time in the future. But I'm not happy with the spike that comes with that, even with a proper pre-bolus. So we always dosed a little bit heavy, knowing that she'd probably be eating in three, three and a half hours, no big deal. And so that's, we were always thinking in blocks of more like, three or four hours, not five or six hours, which is how long loop says that the insulin will last. So having a target way out there, six hours is, can be a little tricky. So I still use the target, the contr- uh, correction range as where I want her to end up because that's like overnight, that's what really applies. Um, but you have to get used to reading the, the prediction line and then figuring out how to tell loop everything that you know, so that where you end up, even in the middle of that is sort of where you want to be. Um, and it's still try to shoot for a landing that makes sense. So this is super interesting because I'm going to learn something here from you for sure, because I've come to ignore, <clears throat> ignore the prediction line completely. I act like it's not there and it's telling me nothing, but you're getting a lot out of it. So this is, this is going to be terrific. Um, yeah, I had to get, I don't say a lot out of it, but um, eventually I figured I couldn't have the same experience that you and I were both dealing with when we started, which is sort of yelling at loop and fighting with it. So I did figure out how I could tell Loop what I knew, so the prediction on looked reasonable, that I mostly agreed with it. And if I didn't agree with it, 
that I needed to figure out why either I didn't agree with it and why Loop thought otherwise. Um, and eventually some of those things, you know, mostly if it's around food, once you get most of the settings close, um, this sort of helps me figure out how do I change things in the moment when things aren't working the way I want to, yeah. to get that line to look right and not, not be too wrong. While I was in Atlanta, I was talking through something with, um, with Kelly Arden just came through a, she's a lower number. She was like 65 as they were going to food. And so putting in, you know, the, the carbs, the accurate carbs, this thing didn't want to give her insulin right away. Oh yeah. Right. So I told Kelly, like, just, you know, we're going to, you're just going to manually bolus enough insulin now. And, you know, so there's at least a pre-bolus going on, then come back around and check the pending insulin in a little while. She starts going up and then you can put the rest in. But I used the sentence, um, the loop thinks and she, that's where Kelly was yeah. like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I said, so So I said, there's what you know is going to happen from your history with insulin. But at the moment, the loop doesn't know that. It's not, you know, it, it's not a it's not a living, breathing thing. It's an algorithm and it's taking these settings and it's taking what you've told it. And it's saying, based on what my settings are and what you said you just took in as carbs, this is what's going to happen. You don't need this insulin right now. But you know differently, you know, you know, something it doesn't know, but this is what loop thinks. And I was like, now here's how to tell it something to make it think what's true instead of what it thinks. Yeah, exactly. By the time you, have I, to, you have to think like that. It's so funny because you said, yeah, exactly. And my wife was like, this thing is bullshit. What? Are <laughs> <laughs> so we had two different conversations and I said, no, no, I swear to you, I'm being as clear as I can be about this right now. This is as clearly as I know how to speak about it right now. Um, so, so, so for clarity, where do you have your correction set for your daughter? Uh, usually around 85 to a hundred during the day overnight, um, 80 to 90. I think right now I just changed it to 85, 85 since we're on the you know, I've spoken about this. We're using the um, feature testing branch for call automatic bolusing, and that helps uh, keep Tessa. I can give her like a single number target and sort of try to shoot for 85 overnight, for example. Um, and it does a pretty good job. But she has such low basal rates we can get into later. But that with the traditional loop with the basal modulation, it just doesn't. It's too slow to act because her basal rates are so slow, so low that it would take you know twenty, thirty minutes to give her a, a little tick of insulin from the Omnipod over, mm-hmm. over twenty or thirty minutes. That it's I prefer the auto bolus. Like oh, if she needs it, she needs it now. So go ahead and give it to her. So I can I've now changed it from a range of you know fifteen, twenty points to um, five points or so. Yeah. So Arden's right now is set at eighty-seven to ninety-five during the day, um, and. That started with me just like going, all right, I, when I have it at 85, she gets a little low sometimes. Let me make it 86. She's getting a little low less times. Let me make it 87. Then I'm starting to like feel like I'm fine-tuning it. But I believe that after this conversation with you, I'm going to decide that there's a different setting I should be um, looking at instead of this correction range. But but we'll get to that. So So for clarity... If you set your range at whatever, you set it at 90 and 150, and you think, I want to live between 90 and 150, that's not how this thing is thinking. This thing is thinking that off in the future, based on everything that's going on right now, eventually, I want to keep you from going under 90. 
And it could be talking about hours from now. Is that right? It might even be not even under 90, but it might. Um, usually what happens after you've done your initial bowl. So usually when you set up carbs, it initially tries to say, okay, you want to end up at the bottom. It's either the middle or the bottom of that range you've set mm-hmm. when it's choosing how much insulin to give you. But once you're past that, it's mostly shooting for either the middle or the top of that range. So if you at 90 to 150 and you end up at like 180, it's really only a target to bring you down by the time the insulin's done, kind of around 150, 130, 140, probably in that range. So if you prefer to be more like a 100, but you use 150 as your top range, you're more likely going to be sitting, especially overnight, let's say, um, around that upper line. So um, if you if you were to enter, if the prediction were to enter into that range, it's not going to take any action. It's like, it's fine. As long as you're going to land somewhere in here, 90 to 150, it's cool with that. Um, if you're going to go under 90, then it tries to back off. If you're going to be over 150, it thinks then it's going to add some more. But if you're going to land anywhere in that range, it's not going to take a whole lot of action. So if you want help to get lower into the 110, 100, somewhere in there, instead of 150, you should probably have your target more to where you'd ideally like to be. But balancing, like you mentioned, um, what the risk is of kind of going low if you shoot too low. Yeah. Well, tell me why you wouldn't just make the correction range 85 and 85. My top and bottom goals are 85 and 85. Why would Yeah, so uh, normally it's just the amount of like back and forth, the amount of work, I guess, Loop puts into it. Mm-hmm. So if it's if the correction, if the prediction kind of moves up or down a couple points away from that line, it's going to try to do something. So it's going to change the basal rate, temporary basal rate it's using. And um, with the Omnipod, this is the issue we both struggled with early on, was um, every time the basal rate changes, every time Loop makes a change, the timer that the Omnipod uses to start delivering on that rate uh, sort of resets. So um, if you need a couple of, you know, deliveries 0.05s within a certain hour let's say then uh that amount how fast it's going to tick the counter starts over every time it changes so it's like hey if you need five in an hour i'm going to spread it out um every 12 minutes and then the loop changes the yeah yeah basal again and then it starts all over again so you're never really getting as much of it through that model as you through the basal model as not as hope. quickly yeah so what will happen is if it changes again so if you need like five in an hour it'll do every 12 minutes or so but that means it starts over and says okay in 12 more minutes i'm going to give you something well then in five minutes loop makes a change again uh then it's the counter starts over and once that uh calculation for how often that happens uh was fixed um at least what would happen is in five more minutes it'll probably pick an even higher rate and in five more minutes, they'll pick an even higher rate. But for someone with a lower insulin need, whether your basal rates are high or low, but you don't need very much, it may take three, four, five cycles before that first delivery is fast enough that it actually gets in there if it keeps changing every five minutes. So if you pick a, a range, it's more like it's less likely to have to change. If you're going to land somewhere in the, the range you picked, it's like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm just going to stick with this one for a little while. That's kind of most of the reason. Otherwise, it's more... I just don't care if I'm 100 or if I'm 85. I'm fine with either. So right. then you would just leave it gotcha. there. So we're going to jump around in the settings a little bit. Like the next setting in the, you know, when you look at it would be suspend threshold. But yeah. we're going to skip over that for now because I think that what we're talking about leads into insulin model. Um, and and if, if you disagree, then obviously I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But, well, uh, suspend, suspend is easy enough. Suspend is in that situation you gave with Kelly. Loop is really concerned with you not going low. Right. So if 60, whatever it was below 
your suspend. That's why it wasn't giving insulin. It doesn't care that if she doesn't have a pre-bullish, the prediction you might even show, she's going to go to 200. Loop's not worried about that. It's just worried about the fact that she's currently low, so I shouldn't be giving more insulin, which is a little frustrating. Um, so that's that's really where suspend is. is if, if any part of that prediction line is going to go below that suspend, then you should probably... Um, it's going to stop giving insulin. So you want to make sure you're not seeing lines dropping that you don't agree with. You don't think she's going to this your T1 is going to go low, mm-hmm. then you probably um, need to fix some settings. Otherwise, that suspend threshold is going to be like banging your head against the wall. Why is it cutting insulin when it shouldn't be? Quick hitting ads today: the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. You want to check it out. It's at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Type that into your browser right now. If you're, you know, not good at typing, click on the link in your show notes. It's right there in your podcast player. There's notes in your podcast player. Just find them and click. Last thing you could do is go to juiceboxpodcast.com and click from there. All of these options are viable ways to get to the sponsors. While you're there, check out the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to contournextone.com. There's a little button at the top. You can find out if you're eligible for an absolutely free meter. This meter is by far the most accurate one that my daughter has ever used in her entire time with type 1 diabetes. Lastly, if you'd like to see some lovely people doing wonderful things for people living with type 1 diabetes, check out touchedbytype1.org. I'm doing you a favor. I'm shortening up all the ads today. You can do me a favor and click on the links. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Contournext1.com. Touchedbytype1.org. That's all I'm asking today. No big sell. Just go check them out. Look, I'm done before the music. It's like you owe me almost. Now there's so much time left, it's kind of weird, right? Touchbytype1.org helps people living with type 1 diabetes. Amazing organization. Contour Next One, best blood glucose meter I've ever seen. Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, Game-changing technology for type 1 diabetes. There, I said I wasn't going to say anymore, but it was just weird. What I was going to jump to next is insulin model. So, sure, yeah. So that's, I guess, for conventional pumpers, that's insulin on board measurement. The idea that insulin lasts in your body for X number of hours. Um, it's, it's based in that idea, but... Not really. Like, like, so this is more about the pump. I've come to think of it as the window of time that the pump considers the insulin for. Like, like if you bolus mm-hmm. and your model set it six hours, which I think is the default, right? In the, yes. in, in the, in the algorithm, you know, if that's a scenario, it's thinking, oh, you definitely won't be high six hours from now because we put in enough insulin right now. But if your settings are wrong or the foods, you know, whatever, or you're dehydrated or all the other variables that the, the algorithm can't consider, um, that's not going to work for you. And, and so that's why you see some people with the loop, they're like, oh, my blood sugar went up to 180 and it sat there for like five hours. And then it, but it did finally come back down. And you hear them say that, like, that's some sort of a win, which I think for a lot of people, quite honestly, is a win. But for you and I, and probably most of the people listening to this podcast, like, I don't want my blood sugar to be 170 for five hours. Um, and Kenny was the first person to say this to me because steadfastly, everyone I spoke to said, don't touch the insulin model. Six hours, leave it at six hours, leave it at six hours. 
And Kenny was the first person to say to me, like, yo, mine's not at six hours, and this works a lot better for me. So mine is set, Arden's is set at five hours and 15 minutes, I think. And okay. yours is five, is that right? Yeah, so um, hopefully I don't get in trouble. Um, get from... in trouble. Hey, first of all, <laughs> let me say this. Kenny's not in any way related to the to the the looping, like the people writing these algorithms. He's, you're just the person using it, right? I am, and I would love to meet the people that are yeah. um, Katie and Kate and others. So, um, yeah, so mine's set at four and a half hours. Oh. Um, and I'll tell you how I got there. So before... You're like Billy the oh, Kid of looping. Go ahead, tell me. Yeah, so when we were on shots, I'll, um, I found apps like Xdrip and some others that would let me track insulin on board. I just found this cool app, and honestly, I was too cheap to buy a phone that would be uh, useful um, with the approved Dexcom app for my daughter. So I just grabbed my old Android phone, mm-hmm. found Xdrip, and said, okay, well, that means I have to build a Night Scout site. So I built a Night Scout site. Um, so we put Xdrip on, but Xdrip had all these like cool knobs and levers I had to Google about every time I was trying to figure out what these different pieces mean. And one of them was uh, insulin duration. So what I did is I just, once we got the basal locked in um, on my daughter, I would just watch obsessively every day when the insulin on board time, when the, her line would stop moving, even just one point, like just nice and flat. Uh, and so it was between four hours and like 15 minutes and four and a half hours, somewhere in there, you know, you got to give some sensor lag and other variables, some sway there. But I ended up just dialing up from four to about four and a half on X-Trip and Night Scout. And so I could with confidence know when she would level out. Um, so like, you know, if she didn't have a snack between lunch and dinner, uh, she would level out right around five or six and I could watch the IOB number go down, down, down to zero. And sure enough, she'd be flat. I wouldn't treat no matter how fast she was falling. Zero would be, she was flat. It was fine. Basil was fine. Everything's happy. She's nice and level. Um, the other benefit to that was I was always tracking how long it would last, but then it also allowed us to do things like treat and I'd know how much to treat for. So I'd look at how much insulin was on board. If she was starting to go lower than I wanted to, you know, at that kind of three, four hour mark, knowing that I'd given too much insulin most likely for that meal. And then I would just turn that insulin on board number into a carb ratio and say, here, have this many carbs. And then she would level out. Um, And, you know, once the insulin on board time was done, when it was zero, she would sure enough level out. So that kind of predictability was uh, important and comforting and also let me have the confidence to change the um, duration of insulin action in loop. But I didn't do it initially. I really wanted to give loop a, a, a chance to kind of prove itself to say, well, maybe six is right. Yeah. And I read Katie's post about why messing with the insulin action time is could be bad. But frame that conversation she's having around the fact that pretty much every endo will have you set your pump insulin action time to something like two and a half, three, three and a half hours, which is obviously not right. So when they when you get into the loop group and you read the docs and people are really hard about hey you got to stick with 6 hours it's because people are convinced over you know years of time that insulin only lasts 2 or 3 hours and that's not the case so and and 6 is definitely safer than say 5 or 4 and a half it would safer to over represent how much insulin's in your body while annoying and possibly keeping you high if it's not actually how long it lasts mm-hmm. um it's still safer than underrepresenting the insulin. So, and for some people I've helped out five and a half, six hours is about right. So we don't really mess with it, but there's still a chunk of people that five is probably like a really good number that gets it pretty close. So I was just watching all, that's all I could watch on shots. And so I knew that number going in where most people 
don't really have a sense for that, uh, what that number should be. So you, you can test for it. But yeah, I changed mine to four and a half. So I think that it's, it's pretty obvious if you listen to the podcast that my concept is I try very hard to break the wall between the, the time. I don't know how to put this. Let me, you're going to have to give me a second, Kenny. So obviously everything about insulin you do now is for later. Insulin doesn't always work exactly the way you want it to in the moment you put it in your body, right? It always takes time mm-hmm. to build momentum or power. It, it peaks sometimes. It, you know, it, it's always it's always about later, about later. But I feel like this is going to be a ham-fisted explanation because this is still something I've been mulling over in my head for a while. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. But I think of the management of insulin like the momentum of a car climbing a really steep mountain. You need to get to a pace and stay at that pace. And it's going to become more and more difficult as you go. But if you just keep this pace up, you'll make it to the top. And so I like the idea of there being active insulin all the time when it's needed. And and so that so that the food or your body function can never really overpower the insulin that's active and that so that the insulin is not overpowering the body function. I don't want anybody low all the time. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that when you accelerate and then take your foot off the gas, you drift back and then it takes more effort to get going again. And so, you know, instead just put your foot at one spot on the accelerator and head up the mountain. And I know that's not hundred percent clear, but that's the background way I think about using insulin. It's the closest thing to creating constant insulin action so that what's happening now with food is being in real time impacted by insulin because there's always insulin coming from the past to help you now. So instead of putting in insulin now for later, I think of it as putting in insulin later before for now, constantly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's where I have a, a really old big RV. And so driving up a hill, yeah, if you back off just a little bit, someone cuts you off or something, you're, you're now going slow the whole time up the hill just to make it up. So you got to keep your momentum going, got to stay ahead of it. That's why I found with diabetes, you always have to be kind of looking ahead a little bit, always planning ahead and looking ahead. Like if you know you're going to eat, you might as well give some insulin, but getting looped to kind of agree with you on that or, or to know when to how, how to use loop to be bold so that you can keep the insulin moving when you need it. Um, just takes a little bit of practice. Yeah. It's just sort of this, it's tough because I try to say things a lot of different ways so that it eventually hits everyone. But I'm always talking about insulin for now is for later. And I know this is going to sound like the same thing, but it's not if you just kind of like, you know, just microdose a mushroom right now and listen to what I'm saying (laughs) for a second. Okay. Insulin for now is for later, but insulin before is for now. And that's probably more how I think about it than how I teach it. I teach now for later, but I think before for now. And, mm-hmm. and so the minute you start taking away insulin now, you're just going to be getting, you're just going to get high later. Um, and, and I hope that makes sense. It did to you, which is in the same way, in the same way, if driving my big vehicle, um, you take away the speed at the bottom of the hill, 
it's going to affect how easily I can make it up the hill. Right. I just or, don't have the power of momentum to push me up and over. Or if you don't have that momentum going, the minute you come up on a speed bump or a branch to drive around, yeah. you're going to lose your, your momentum. And now all of a sudden the detour wins. Like, right. Like it, all of a sudden the meal wins or the, mm -hmm. you know, the spike in your adrenaline wins. That thing wins because you're, it's the same reason why at the end of the story that I just, you know, I told at the beginning, Arden's blood sugar, no lie, 8 a.m. till 4.30 p.m. while she slept right in that tight range. But when she woke up, she says to me, hey, I'm going to get a bowl of cereal. And all I told her was this, that's fine. Your blood sugar is going to get high. Here's our goal. I'd like to try to keep it under 180. Get it back down without you getting low. Now, keep in mind, I'm not there. My daughter's about to have Fruit Loops. She's not going to measure them. I'm not asking her to, okay? <laughs> and so I told her, you're going to get high. And she said, I'll pre-bolus. And I said, yeah, not going to matter because you've been living on a deficit of basal insulin for the last eight hours, right? The before is not strong enough to handle the now. And you, and we're going to pre-bolus and we're going to smash most of it. But unless you're willing, but you're 80. So I can't have you wait 30 minutes. I can't tell her to put in, you know, 11 units of insulin and wait a half an hour. Because if she doesn't eat that cereal at the exact right time, and God knows what that is, that insulin is going to crush her. And I'm going to come home to a puddle of a kid on the ground, right? <laughs> or, sure. or at the very least, my neighbor is going to be handling something I'm pretty sure he didn't think he was going to be doing on Sunday. So I said, look, we're going to deal with it. There's going to be a spike, right? So um, we're going to, you're going to go downstairs. The first thing I asked you to do, Kenny, I don't know what other people think of in this situation. Like you would think pre-bolusing. I said, Go make sure the cereal's not stale because you don't eat it all the time and make sure the milk is fresh because Smart. The, the last thing we need is 10 units of insulin going in you. And then you saying this milk doesn't smell right because I don't know how to eat that fast. You, you know what I mean? So, um, so <laughs> she checks all the food, all the food's right. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, um, go ahead and put in, you know, this, I think we used a massive amount of carbs, like 80 carbs or something like that. And it wanted to give her 10 units ish, like right in that space. And I was like, yeah, go ahead and do it. And, um, I said, try to wait 10, 15 minutes if you can. And, but I don't want you to wait much longer because we're there. And she did, she ate and it held on for a while, right? That bolus fought for a little while, but all of a sudden, 15, I think, not 50 is longer than that, 30-ish minutes later, we got the dreaded 126 diagonal up. Now, I know everybody's different, but 126 diagonal up means to me, there ain't enough insulin in there. So, if Dexcom's showing a diagonal, you're, you're having a problem. Dexcom's uh, arrow changes after two readings that are equivalent to like a diagonal. Mm -hmm. So like if more than five, like six to ten, points every reading it needs two of those in a row before it changes the reading 100%. to a yeah which is way too slow I, it's why i like using xtrip where i get to see the the plus and minus the uh, reading to reading and i don't have to worry about the stupid nexcom arrow so while that super stiff line is still there right hold on a second arden's talking to me here while that super stiff line is there at 105 or 95 or whatever i'm like that's not right there's no way that that cereal, this pre-bolus has not been alive in here long enough to, to hold back Fruit Loops and milk, even for 15 minutes. So 
I'm like, it's going to go up. Oh, wait, I'm going to go to lunch right now. Excuse me for a second, Kenny. Hey, go ahead. This is interesting. Arden's coming out of gym. Um, then how are we going to do this? Put the carbs in now. Like this. All right, I'll talk to you guys through this. Hold on one second. I can finally talk about a loop thing, about a lunch. Arden's leaving gym right now. And uh, she was away from her CGM. So her blood sugar went from like 75 to 60 while she was in gym. She feels fine. She's going to eat. That's not an issue. I'm not worried about that. Um, so we're going to tell the loop that she's going to have 35 carbs. And we're going to tell the loop to consider those carbs as a two-hour impact. And then we're going to tell it 40 carbs and consider that as a three-hour impact. So Arden has pizzelles and a chocolate chip cookie, a half of a bagel, a pretty big bag of grapes, a clementine, and a bag of popcorn. I can try to guess those carbs for everybody if you want. I'm going to guess the That's bagel. some fast-hitting carbs. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing the bagel at 25. I'm putting the, I'm putting the grapes at 15 to 18. Now we're at... 35 or 40 the cookies are going to be another five for the chocolate chip i'm at 45 the pizzelles are probably 10 more i'm at 55 the tangerines like 12 or 15 i'm at 65 70 i don't know popcorn's 10 80 arden's um carb ratio is 7.42 to 1 now as soon as it tells her that it says of course not to give her insulin because her blood sugar is 60 yep so, so i'm gonna say um when are you going to eat do when do you begin eating? So have you tried not giving a pre bolus in this situation since you're on the automatic bolus? Well it'll give a fair amount pretty quickly and then just text her and say, Hey, give the rest later. So I think of it just like that, but opposite. So if she tells me she's going to start eating right now, like right now, right now, we're gonna bolus. Like, oh, yeah, then I would just give it. Yeah, yeah sure. We're gonna put in probably like I'm gonna guess like five or six units right now. And then I'll let the auto bolus do its thing a little bit, or we'll check for pending insulin and just do the whole thing, if that makes sense. Well, the wonderful thing about the auto bolus is that since it loop doesn't um, use increased temp basils at all, there's not going to be a whole lot of pending unless, I mean, for a three hour, I guess there technically might be some pending, but there's almost never any pending. It's always a recommended bolus. Mm -hmm. Um so she can always just tap her watch or her phone and just hit the bullet screen and it should just have a recommendation. Right. So if you need more insulin, there's always a recommendation with the auto bolus branch, which I really love because my six-year-old, I can just say, hey, bolus, and she just turns the watch over, taps the bullet screen. If there's something there, she takes it. And in Night Scout, I can see if there is a recommendation. Before, it would you know increase the temp basal rates and it would it would loops like, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll take care of it. I'm like, yeah, you'll take care of it eventually, but I don't, it's not fast enough, but I can't tell my daughter to, well, put this much in and trust that she'll hit the right number uh, using the watch or her phone. So um, now there's always a recommendation if she needs more. So I can say, hey, I think you need all of it right now. So just, just hit your watch and she handles it just fine. So what I ended up saying is she said, I'm eating like right now, I'll be putting food in my mouth in three minutes. So I said seven units, eat as, <laughs> eat as soon as possible. Let's talk again in 15 minutes. Nice. But you just said you can see 
you can see recommended insulin on Night Scout. I need to let you. Mm-hmm. Dig, I need to let you dig around in my Night Scout. Apparently, I don't think I see that. Well, you have that loop pill right underneath the time, underneath the clock. All right, Kenny. Let me see. So if you hover over that loop pill with your mouse, or if you use it on your phone, you just kind of tap on it. You should get like a list of information in that hover area, and one of the things you should see at the very end of it. It only shows up when there's a recommendation, but what you'll see the last thing sort of listed in that list of all kinds of crazy information so I see, is a recommended bolus. So I see the loop pill. So right now I have four minutes ago, squiggly, mm-hmm. squiggly line 103. What does squiggly line 103 mean? The I forget the icon. Squiggly line, I think, means everything's... Oh, squiggly line 103. Got it. Sorry. Five minutes ago or four minutes ago, squiggly line means eventually 103. So the, the end of the prediction line is 103 at the moment. Oh, it is. I'll be goddamn. Yeah. Kenny, look at that. All right. And um, but that will only update. You know, she's updating it on her phone, so you won't see the next update until you know the next loop cycle, till next time it uploads night to Night Scout. So even though her prediction line probably doesn't look like that because she's put in you know seven units, mm-hmm. um, you'll get the update eventually, and you'll see the the eventual number will update. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So Arden's all squared away. Let's go back a little bit here. Um. So insulin model. <laughs> When you have yours even lower than mine is, what's the intention of making the insulin model a shorter time period? And that's where we're going to pick up in part two, which will be out in just a couple of days. It's going to give you enough time to absorb this, maybe go back and listen to it again. And then we're going to get through the rest of the settings list on loop. I hope you found this interesting. I just think Kenny speaks so wonderfully about loop. He's very clear. He understands exactly what he's saying. Um, And he's helping me a lot to bring things into focus. If you agree, definitely check out part two coming up, I think, Thursday night. Thank you very much to the sponsors, Dexcom, Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and Touch by Type 1. Check them out at touchbytype1.org, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, contournextone.com. Of course, there's always going to be links in the show notes of your podcast player, and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I appreciate you supporting the sponsors. If you're looking for more episodes about loop, check out episode 227, Diabetes Concierge. Episode 252, A Loopy Few Months. Episode 304, Loop De Loop. It bears repeating that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. A huge thanks to all of the people, most of whose names I'm sure I don't know, who have put their blood, sweat, tears, time, effort, heart, and soul into this algorithm. It's hugely, hugely, hugely appreciated by me and I'm sure by everyone else.